Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to mystory@toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Awesome. Well, church, it's so exciting to be here with you this morning. Um, I just feel so blessed to be a part of what God is doing here in our community and in our church. Uh, my wife and I, we've been here for about a month, and uh, I really, it was last Sunday that I just, I got up, um, and I just woke up feeling great. I got here, and just throughout the entire Sunday, I just like, you know what? This really is a church home for us, and I am so, so grateful that uh, this is the place where my wife and I get to, um, you know, bring our daughter, who will be one in just two short days. She will have her first birthday, uh, but I'm so thankful that this is the place where we get to raise her. I'm so thankful that, you know, that children's wing down there is a place where she will get to learn about Jesus and uh, and grow in her relationship with him, and uh, and we just, we just love this church so much, and we've gotten to meet several of you, and we have a whole lot more that we still need to meet, so I would love to take an opportunity to do that, but really, I just want to extend a big thank you so much uh, to you as a church just for allowing my wife and I to be a part, Um, and a huge thank you to Pastor Chad. He is just the world's greatest, and I feel so blessed uh, just to be a part of his team and to serve under him and learn from him. I just, I'm just so grateful. Uh, And so this morning, uh, like Pastor Chad said in the video, I'll be continuing the Essentials series that Pastor Chad has been doing and doing a phenomenal job of. Every Sunday, as part of this series, I have just been so blessed, and I hope that you have as well. And today, our our main topic is uh, the fruit of the Spirit. And I got so excited because Pastor Chad brought me into his office, and uh, I thought maybe I was in trouble. I did something super, like, wrong, you know, within my first couple days, Uh, but I didn't do anything wrong. I wasn't in any trouble. He is asking me uh, to take this message, and uh, he's out of town. He's, he's going to be at a conference, and uh, we'll just really pray for our pastor. Today is his birthday, uh, but just pray for our pastor today, um, and just that God just ministers to him and gives him rest and uh, rejuvenation this week. Um, but I'm, I'm excited because Galatians chapter 5, where we find the fruit of the Spirit, that forever has been one of my favorite uh, portions of Scripture, just learning about the fruit of the Spirit. And what can happen in our life when we live a life that is led by the Spirit? Uh, And and in the book of Matthew, uh, there's this reference to how we should know people by their fruit. Like you should be able to to know a person by the fruit uh, that that is evident in their life. And has anybody ever made a bad uh, judgment call when it comes to someone's fruit? in their life? Okay, well, I have. I made a really bad judgment call one time. Um, so my wife, uh, before she was my wife, when we were dating, I lived about two and a half hours away from where she went to college. And so uh, I drove a, a Dodge truck, and I was like, okay, well, this isn't going to cut it. I'm not going to be able to afford to go see her. So I downsized from the truck and uh, got her. I, I knew that I was, I, I really wanted to marry her. Uh, I needed to make sure that she wanted to marry me. Um, she's a lot prettier than I am, so, you know, I really needed to, um, can guys be pretty? Is that a 
Okay, anyway, uh, she's, she's just, she's beautiful, and, um, and I just, and she didn't have a car, and so I was like, okay, well, I'll go ahead and get this little hybrid, um, that way whenever we do get married, and I'm thinking forward, but like, whenever we do get married, I can give her this, and then I can go get me back my man truck, and, and so I'm driving this little, this little Honda hybrid, uh, car, because it got great gas mileage, and I could transfer, I could transport myself back and forth to see her at college without spending too much money. And so this was something that I would do, honestly, like every weekend. I would drive two and a half hours there, two and a half hours back just to see her, take her on a date, uh, and just, uh, just make sure that while she was at college, I was at the forefront of her mind and that no other guys snuck in there and took what was rightfully mine, okay? So, so I would make this trip, and uh, I would honestly, most nights, I would come back at just an ungodly hour. Uh, I would leave her because, you know, just, we just couldn't leave each other's presence. Our love was just so evident, and um, and uh, so I would make these trips back back to my my home where I was doing ministry late at night. And one night I left for college, dropped her off, and I started to head back towards my house. And I saw this guy on the side of the road walking. And right about that time, it had just started to rain. And I always feel bad. Okay, like I feel bad when I see somebody out there on the side of the road, and the and the the rain is pouring down. They're getting wet. They obviously don't have the transportation or the means to get where they need to go, so they've got to uh, go it alone on their legs, and I just had compassion. I'm like, man, I feel so bad for this gentleman, and uh, he, he wasn't a gentleman, but uh, I, I felt really bad for him, and, and as I got closer, I read the back of his t-shirt, and that man was wearing a Christian t-shirt. It had a, a Christian message on the back, and I'm like, okay, so he's a, he's a brother in Christ. I'm going to pick him up and give him a ride and bless him. And so I pull over and I say, hey, sir, I'd, well, I'd like to give you a ride if you need one. And he's like, oh, yeah. And he, he jumps in my car, sits down. And uh, one of the first things that the man says to me is he said, well, I'm going to be honest with you. I've been out bar hopping a lot tonight, and that's why I'm walking home. And, you know, he didn't have to tell me that he was bar hopping. I, that was something that I already knew uh, that he was doing. There were a couple telltale signs. And, and, and so I uh, proceed to give this man a ride home. And uh, he tells me some stuff that's pretty scary. Like, he's, he's being kind of strange and weird. And uh, he's saying some stuff that's, like, almost like trying to intimidate me. And I'm like, what have you gotten yourself into, Jordan? You didn't just pick up, like, a brother in Christ. You maybe picked up, like, an axe murderer. I don't know. Like, and so I, I'm kind of getting a little bit nervous. But at the same time, like, I'm a big guy. And I can hold my own. And I'm thinking through ways that I could, A, minister to him, right? Because that's why I picked him up. And, B, get out of a really nasty situation. Like, okay, like, how can I uh, fend off this guy should he try to attack? me. Um, and so anyway, I get this guy to where he's going and, and I just was like, okay, so here's my moment. I can minister to this guy. Uh, maybe like God has put me, put him in my car for this reason. Um, and I just say to him before he gets out, I just say, sir, um, I don't think it's by any accident that, you know, you should get in the car tonight with a, with a pastor. And so it'd be all right if I pray with you. And he just freezes, stops and looks at me stone cold. And he goes, no. No, it is not okay. And gets out of my car, shuts the door, and runs off into the darkness. I'm like, oh my goodness. Okay, well, 
I just avoided the situation there. Like, uh, you know, I did not judge this man's character well. I did not judge him by his fruit. I judged the man by his T-shirt, okay? Had he not been wearing a Christian T-shirt, I probably just would have been like, well, that's unfortunate, and just kept driving on by like most of us do. But, um, you know, we can judge people by their fruits. And, and as followers of Jesus, there are the fruit of the Spirit that Paul outlines in Galatians chapter 5 that as a follower of Jesus Christ should be evident and apparent in our life. And people should be able to look at you uh, and, and identify love within you that is found only in Jesus and joy within you that can only be attributed back to God uh, and peace that passes all understanding. The fruit of the Spirit is such a rich portion of Scripture, and it's, uh, it's awesome because you can go through that section. You can go through the fruit of the Spirit, and literally there's probably not a single thing that you're not like, yeah, you know what? I think I'm good on love. Got enough. Thank you, Lord. I'm, I'm happy, content. No, we can all use more love, right? Like joy. Oh, you know, you know what? I'm a happy person. I've got no concerns, no cares at all. I don't need any more joy. You, you, you share that with somebody else. Come on, we could all use more joy at times. Peace, I've never met a single person who could not use more peace in their life. And so the fruit of the Spirit, it's not just vital for your life as a follower of Jesus, it's vital for your life as a human being. And it's vital for all those whom you come in contact with because as a follower of Jesus, we are to reflect who Jesus is to this world so that all might know him. And so as I started to dive into this passage of scripture, uh, I just started to think, and I'm like, okay, well, uh, let me get, I'm, I wanted to be really good. Pastor Chad is like one of the greatest communicators of all time, and so since he asked me to, to fill in for him, I'm like, okay, well, I need to give them something really good, so let me find something here that, you know, nobody else has uncovered before, and just really drive home a, a truth that will just change everybody's lives, and, uh, and so I did a word study on the word fruit. I've got some uh, pretty good Bible software that helps me study like Greek and Hebrew. And so I put in the word fruit and the word fruitfulness. And uh, it's really cool what I found. The word fruit in Greek and Hebrew generally means fruit. Okay, like it just, it just means fruit. And, uh, and then I, I kept studying some more and I realized, okay, so it doesn't always mean fruit. Sometimes it means a fig, which is fruit. And then sometimes it can also mean like being fruitful, like having kids, reproducing, that kind of thing. And so I was like, okay, good, awesome, sweet. Uh, there's some real spiritual depth there. I'll hold on to that and maybe come up with something later. So one of the things that you can do when you're studying scripture, and this is a cool thing. So if you're studying a specific scripture, it's really good to study maybe the chapters, the chapter before it, the chapter after it, and it can really help put into context uh, what it is that you're studying. And so I turned to chapter four and just began to read and began to study and just kind of like do, take, take notes verse by verse. And I got really excited when I got to the second half of uh, Galatians chapter 4 because it talks about uh, this lady named Sarah and her slave named Hagar. And Sarah is the wife of a man named Abraham who, if you read the Old Testament, he is one of the most foundational and prolific leaders in the Old Testament. And Sarah was his, his wife, and, and God made a promise to Sarah, like he promised Sarah. He promised Abraham that she would bring forth a son, that Abraham would have a son, and his descendants would be as numerous as the stars. Like, whoa, 
That's a cool promise. Like to think about your future, your descendants, to be as numerous as the stars, that's an intense promise. Uh, and so, uh, so Sarah has a son with Abraham, and so does her slave Hagar. And so Sarah's son, his name is Isaac, and Hagar's son, his name is Ishmael. And so if you have your Bibles with me today, I'm just going to read from Galatians chapter 4, uh, and I'm just going to start in verse 21. And if you need it, the, I believe the text will be on the screen. But it just says this. Tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born in the ordinary way, but his son by the free woman was born as a result of the promise. These things may be taken figuratively, for the woman represents for the women represent two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai that bears children who are to be slaves. This is, ha- this is Hagar. Now Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to, present, to the present city of Jerusalem because she is in slavery with her children. But the, but the Jerusalem that is above the free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Be glad, O barren woman who bears no children. Break forth and cry aloud, you who have no labor pains. Because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. Now you brothers, like Isaac, children of promise, are our children of promise. At that time, the son was born in an ordinary way, persecuted the son by the power of the spirit. It is the same now, but, does, but what does the scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son, for the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. Okay, so so check this out. How does this tie into the fruit of the Spirit? Well, Paul is like segueing in to uh, talking about the fruit of the Spirit. He's segueing into talking about living a Spirit-led life. And the first thing and the first point that I have for you today is that a Spirit-led life is a life of freedom. A spirit-led life is a life of freedom. He's explaining to these believers, these these Christians in the church in Galatia, that the the things, the customs of of old, the the way that they used to live, they are no longer slaves. They are no longer uh, in bondage. They are no longer held to the customs that they grew up with or, or the religious practices that they once believed uh, brought them to the point of salvation. But because of the work of Jesus on the cross, they get the same inheritance with the line of Isaac. Because of what Jesus did, because of his sacrifice, because he lived a sinless life and died on the cross, the inheritance that belonged to Isaac now belongs to them. They are free. A life lived, a spirit lived life is a life that is lived with the understanding that Jesus has made a way for you to be free. You are no longer a slave to your sin. You're no longer a slave to your past. You're no longer a slave to your failures, your struggles. You are a free person because Jesus Christ has set you free. In chapter 5, just to kick off the chapter, Paul just simply says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Okay, so check it out. There's a really important word here that I just grabbed hold of me as I read this. He says, do not let yourselves 
be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Look, in in Paul's time when he was writing this to the Galatians, unfortunately, and it's a sad thing, but slavery existed. Slavery was happening. People were enslaved. And you can fast forward all the way to present day. Slavery might look different, but slavery is still happening all around the world. And it's it's a shame, and and, and I feel bad about it, but it's the truth. Like Slavery is, is not a new concept, and it's not an old concept. It is still a present concept. But the, the thing about slaves is that not all slaves can choose whether they want to be a slave or be free, right? Like, like a, a person who is enslaved is enslaved, and unless they fight for their freedom or they escape, they're enslaved. It's not like a slave can say, you know what, today I just don't feel like being a slave, you know? Today I'm just going to go, you know, like dance in the, I don't know, lily fields and uh, go to the park and play some baseball. Like, they just can't say that. They can't make those choices. They're in slavery. Uh, but with this voice, with this verse, it just says, therefore, brothers, we are, oh, sorry, I'm in verse, verse 1, chapter 5, verse 1, for it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Do not let yourselves. That means that there's something on us with this slavery that we can take upon ourselves this yoke of slavery by our own choices, by our own actions can lead us back into this yoke or this burden that comes with slavery. But Jesus did not come that we be slaves. He did not come that we be uh, burdened, but he came to give us freedom and he died on the cross to give us life. And so uh, as people who are living lives, uh, a spirit-led life is a life of freedom. It is a life of freedom. And, uh, and, and so as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we need to embrace that freedom. You know, like uh, I heard a, a pastor once say a, a while back um, that some people just go about living as if the tomb uh, was still closed. But we need to, as believers, live as if the tomb is empty. You know what I'm saying? Like Jesus rose from the dead. He, he rose from the grave. And as believers, as followers of Jesus, some of us, we just go about our business like we're still enslaved. Like, like Jesus never did anything at all. But the tomb is empty. Jesus is not there. He's ascended to the right hand of the Father. And it because of that, because of his sacrifice, we get to live in freedom. And so as followers of Jesus, let us do that. Uh, a spirit-led life is a life lived in freedom. Uh, my next point for you today is just simply that a spirit-led life uh, is a life of faithfulness. A spirit-led life is a life of faithfulness. And, and my, my parents, my mom and my dad, uh, they are two people that have absolutely throughout time and or throughout my life have displayed faithfulness in some profound ways. Uh, my, my dad was a pastor, and he uh, was a church planter, and he planted a church in Springboro, Ohio, along with my mom. Uh, and that church is still around today. Uh, it was, it's had several names through the years, but... Um, but they planted this Assemblies of God church there. And the cool thing is, is God spoke to my dad, and he just told my dad that he was to plant a church in Springboro. Now, Springboro was a farm community. Uh, it wasn't like a booming, I, I, don't, I don't know if anybody's ever even heard of the city, because it's, it's about two and a half hours north, but, or south of here, uh, in Springboro, Ohio. But, um, but God just spoke to my dad and told him to plant a church here. And it wasn't like, you know, a, a big booming place. It was a farm community. And so my dad drove around. He was praying, like, Lord, what would you have me do? Where would you have me plant this? Uh, and it led him to a field. And it was not a field of dreams, but rather a field of beans, okay? So it was a bean field that, that God led my dad to. It was a 30-acre bean farm uh, off of 741. And 
And, uh, and, and so, like, God spoke to my dad, and my dad went to uh, the, the person who owned the field, and he got permission to farm the field in order to pay for the field itself. The farmer was interested in selling it, uh, and so she let my dad and my mom literally farm this field. They, she let them, like, plant it, uh, and, and there's pictures of my mom and my dad with these, you know, cool wooden baskets, and they're picking beans, and they're throwing the beans in the baskets. And then they had, like, a little stand on the side of the road or a little barn. My mom's here today, but uh, they had a little place where they would sell these beans and they sold the beans in order to raise the money to buy the field to build the church. Like that is faithfulness beyond what most people are willing to do. See, God called them to live a life of freedom, but God also called them to live this spirit-led life. And, and because of the spirit-led life, they were to be faithful. And so my, my parents faithfully farmed this field, picking beans on their hands and knees and selling them, denying their flesh, denying their own desire. They could have taken this money, and, and I don't know if you can get super rich off of a 30-acre bean farm, but you know they could have taken this money and, and fed themselves. They could have taken that and, and funded their own retirement, but instead, this was something that they did, and they invested back into the kingdom because they believed in something bigger than themselves, and they believed that at one day, although that this, this ground, this soil was just now producing beans, that at some day, this ground is going to produce disciples. This ground is going to produce believers. This ground is going to take people who were once enslaved in darkness and they're going to find freedom in this place. And they were faithful to the call that God had on their life. And a spirit-led life is a life of faithfulness. As you read through Galatians chapter 5, uh, Paul begins to describe some practices of that day that the church of Galatians, they were just getting confused about. There were things that Jesus, when Jesus came, he rewrote the, he, he flipped the script. Like, he changed things. The way things used to be was not the way that they were, that they are anymore, or, or were even then for the church in Galatia. And these people were still following practices that Jesus gave them the freedom to not have to do anymore. He broke that spirit of religion. He broke uh, the, the law, and and he, he gave them freedom. And, and so Paul is, is talking to them. He's like, look, you're trying to do these things in order to be more holy. You're going through these practices in order to be more righteous, but these things aren't going to save you. Jesus already died on the cross, and when you go through these motions, when you go and you follow uh, the, old, the Old Testament law, what did Jesus even die on the cross for if you were going to go ahead and do that? Start living in freedom and be faithful to a spirit-led life. Galatians chapter 5 uh, starting in verse 16, I believe. It gives us this list of how, it just talks about how um, the, the, the spirit is contrary to the flesh. And maybe you've felt that before, maybe you haven't, uh, but, but as, as a human being, I'm sure at some point, if you are striving to live a godly life or, or live a life that is led by the Holy Spirit, then you've experienced this. But Paul just simply says, starting in verse 16, so I say, live by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. 
but that but if you are led by the spirit you are not under the law okay so paul is we'll, we'll pause right there and we'll come back to this but but paul is just simply saying he's like look there is a sinful nature there is your flesh what your flesh desires and then there is life by the spirit and these things are in conflict with each with one another there are things that your flesh that your that your body that that your uh, person is going to desire and that is going to desire to do to take part of but it is not in line with spirit-led living. And there is this inner conflict. Uh, and in Romans, Paul talks about how there are things that he wants to do that he finds himself doing. And then there's other things that he doesn't want to do, but he still finds himself doing those very things that he doesn't want to do. And, and there's conflict in a spirit-led life. And we're not always like batting 500 at this, okay? Like, like we, we make mistakes because of this inner turmoil and this, and this inner flesh. And Paul himself, the writer of these things, he wasn't perfect at them either, but a spirit-led life is a life that is led, is led lived faithful to the Holy Spirit. And, and whenever we experience these inner conflicts between our flesh and what our flesh desires and what the Spirit desires for us, uh, it is up to us to be faithful unto God and to his Holy Spirit. Picking it up again in verse 19, Paul just kind of gives us this list of the acts of the sinful nature. And he says this, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, fractions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So he says, look, there are actions that are contrary to a life led by the Spirit of God. And if you act upon these actions of the flesh, these, this is a huge warning, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. See, see, Paul was telling us before when he talked about Isaac and when he talked about Ishmael, he says, you are now adopted into the lineage of Isaac. And the inheritance that, I, that was Isaac's becomes your inheritance. You get to have this eternal life. Heaven gets to become your home and you get what you don't even deserve because of what Jesus did. That inheritance becomes your inheritance. But if you take part in the acts of the flesh and you don't live a life led by the spirit, you're in danger of not entering into the kingdom of heaven. A life, li a life led by the spirit is a life led in faithfulness. Be faithful unto God. Be faithful to deny your flesh. Be faithful to live led by the Spirit and to walk in God's path for your life. Walk in freedom. Don't feel bound. Don't feel restricted. Know that you are free to, to live and to move and to breathe, but, but also know that there are actions, there are thoughts, there are ways of living that are contrary to a Spirit-led life, and be careful and be faithful unto God in this. A cool thing about this chapter is that it gives us a glimpse of what you get for living a life led by the Spirit. It gives you an example of reward, and that is the fruit of the Spirit. And so in verse 22, it just simply says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified their sinful nature with its passions and desires. 
Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Man, there it is. Love is a product of a Spirit-lived life, a Spirit-led life. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are things that we get. This is part of our inheritance when we follow Jesus. We get his love. We get his joy. We get his peace. Kindness exudes from us. Gentleness, patience, self-control. Is there anybody in here that would not like to see these things in your life? And all the wives start nudging their husbands. You know, like, you know, every single one of us could use a little bit more of these things in our life. And when we live our lives led by the Spirit, these aren't things that you really even have to work on. These are things that develop within you naturally because Jesus is at work inside of you and he is bringing about this good fruit. Man, I, I started to think about like fruit in general. Like I told you before, and um, it's, it's hard for me, like when I, like if you were to think of like fruit, there's probably like one that comes to mind instantly, and for me that's an apple, like I just think of an apple. And so I started like looking into apple trees, like all right, what is it about like apples and apple trees, and what can I tie in? And, and I just, I found it interesting, like my, my wife and I, uh, my wife does not like to garden, she doesn't have a green thumb, uh, I, I do. <laughs> Growing up, my dad, um, he, several times on a couple different occasions, he would like hook me up up with people within his church that had skills that he wanted me to have, that he just, you know, whether didn't want to teach me those skills, didn't have time, or just didn't have the skills himself, but wanted me to have them. And so uh, there was a gentleman in our church who had his own landscaping company, and one summer, my dad hooked me up with him, and he just said, all right, son, you're going to go work and do landscaping. And so uh, I got paid. I made $100 all summer long. It was really good money. Uh, but he would pick me up early in the morning, and I'd go out, and I would dig and dig and dig. I had blisters on my hands, and we'd be planting trees and, and bushes and doing landscaping for different people. Uh, but that was like a skill that I developed uh, that I just like, I liked and enjoyed. And so when my wife and I, when we bought our first house, um, I thought I was a youth pastor, and so I picked, or we picked a house that had absolutely zero landscaping whatsoever. And initially, I thought, this house is perfect for being a youth pastor because nobody can teepee me. There is nothing to throw toilet paper in. Like, this is the greatest house ever. And they still managed to find a way, um, surprisingly. But, um, but you know, I, I, as we lived there, I thought, you know, I would like to, to do some gardening. I would like to create a flower bed. I would like to, you know, to plant a tree and so I, I would go to Lowe's or Home Depot or, or whatever like kind of nursery and we would look at the different trees and as you walk through like if you've ever been to one of these places and you kind of like walk through the nursery and you look at the different trees um, it's unless you're like some sort of like plant genius um, it's really hard to tell what you're looking at like hey it's a tree it's got a trunk and it's you know <laughs> so tall and the leaves are up here oh that's a bush because there is no trunk and it's low to the ground or that's a flower because it's a flower, right? Like that's, that's like the extent of my knowledge with these things. And, and, uh, and so I'm looking at these different trees and I'm flipping around the tags on all the plants because I'm trying to figure out, okay, so I, I see what this looks like now, but what is it going to be when it gets bigger? Like what is this going to be after it grows? What is this going to turn into after I take it home, put it in the ground, give it nutrition, uh, give it water, make sure it gets the proper amount of sunlight? What is this going to become? And so I'm looking at these trees and I'm like, oh, check that out. That's an apple tree. I could have apples growing in my yard. And, and I just kind of like take a step back and picture my daughter swinging 
swinging from an apple tree, and you know the neighbor kids come over and steal my apples, and I come out and say, "Hey, you quit doing." Like I, you know, like I just sort of picture things like that, and uh, <laughs> you know, you rotten kids. Uh, like, like those are things I start picturing. Or oh, this is a maple tree, and oh, this one is going to grow nectarines, or this one's going to grow, you know, whatever it is. And and I just you can go down the line, but when I'm looking at them in their juvenile state, I can't really tell what kind of fruit this tree is going to produce, if it's going to produce any at all. And, and, and the cool thing about our life as believers, as Christians, is that the fruit of the Spirit, it is a byproduct of Spirit-led life, just as apples are a byproduct of taking care of the tree and giving it what it needs. And so as a follower of Jesus, yes, we deny our flesh. Yes, we walk in freedom, but we need to feed our spiritual life. We need to spend time in God's Word. We need to spend time praying. We need to spend time seeking and worshiping him. And as we feed our spiritual life, fruit will begin to develop and to grow. And eventually someone can look at your tree and know that they need to sneak into your yard and steal those juicy apples, right? People are going to be able to look at your life and say, I don't know what it is about him. I don't know what it is about her, but she has something that I desperately want. He has something that I need. The love that was with, is within him is something that I don't have. He's got joy in the midst of circumstances that I just couldn't even imagine having. How does this person have peace? But we know where our peace comes from. We know where our joy comes from. We know where the love comes from. And it is found in Jesus and in him alone. A spirit-led life is a life of freedom. A spirit-led life is a life uh, of faithfulness. And, and if we are found faithful, this is my third point, if we live a life faithful, uh, then we will be found fruitful. We will be fruitful. And so be faithful unto God. Be faithful unto the calling that he has on your life. Be faithful into cultivating this crop. Uh, and God will bring about fruit in your life. When we are faithful to living by the Spirit, we will become fruitful. We will become fruitful. Don't necessarily look at this list of things and, and be critical on yourself. Like, ah, you know what? I really, I really just struggle with patience. And so I need to work on that. Work on your relationship with God. Work on nourishing your spirit, man. Work on spending time in prayer. Work on worshiping to a level that maybe you haven't done before. Seek God more than you have before. And, and patience will be a byproduct of you feeding that spiritual life and you living a life that is led by the Spirit. Maybe there's things in your life that you need to cut out. Maybe you have messed up in your life and you just feel completely disqualified. Like I've met people throughout my time in ministry and throughout my life that just feel like they know that love exists, but they feel unworthy of receiving love. They know that there are people that have joy in their hearts and in their lives, but they feel like joy is good for some people, but they're just, for whatever reason, not worthy of having joy. And some people feel like because of their situation, because of what they've been through, they're just never going to find peace again in anything. And so they look for different things to fill their life with because they just feel this void of the fruit of the Spirit. I want to tell you, like going back to the story of, of Hagar and Sarah, Sarah had a promise that God gave her. God promised Sarah that she would be fruitful. God promised Sarah that he would give her a son and that, that, that her descendants, that the descendants between her and Abraham would be as numerous as the stars. That was a promise that God made. And God does not make a promise that he doesn't keep. His word never returns void. 
And you can trust that when God says that he's going to do something, he's going to do something. But Sarah, because of whatever external circumstances, be it her age, be it her insecurities, be it maybe her own doubts, she did not believe that God would do what he said he was going to do. And that led her to making uh, a humongous mistake when she presented her slave Hagar to her husband Abraham to give forth a son. She was doubting herself. She was insecure about the fact that she was at an advanced age and had not yet given her husband the son that she knew God promised. So she presents him with his slave, and then he brings forth her son, Ishmael. You can read through the Bible, and, and I encourage you to, to read through Scripture. Uh, definitely encourage you to do that. But there are people in here. It's not all like happy stories of people who have prospered and succeeded. A lot of things that happen in here are stories of people who have failed. And a lot of people that have failed in scripture have not just failed, but they have failed miserably. And this is one of the greatest mistakes with some of the longest lasting effects, probably in the entire Bible, this mistake that, that Sarah made when she gave her slave uh, to her husband to have a son. Because God was faithful and he honored the faithful. He was going to honor the faithfulness that Abraham and Sarah had. And he did bring forth a son from her. He brought, he gave Sarah the son that he promised, but it didn't come without great pain. And it didn't, and now there's, there's a, a lot of repercussions because of that. And, and the cool thing about God is that God honored her faithfulness. He allowed her to walk in freedom and God ultimately made her life fruitful. He made good on his promise. And even though she messed up, even though she, she, she had, her actions caused serious problems that have literally altered the course of history, God still made her fruitful. She was barren. She felt like she couldn't have a kid. She felt like that this promise could never come forth from her and that led her to do what she did. And you today might feel like as far as spiritual fruit goes, you're barren that you're never going to produce love, that you're never going to be able to experience joy, that you will never find peace. You're unworthy of having such things in your life. You're an angry person, and that's just the way that you are. There's no kindness that can ever be found in me because of everything that I've been through. Listen, God promises you that if you follow him, and you nurture the gift, you, you nurture the spirit, you live a life that is led by the spirit, a spirit-led life. You walk in his freedom. You're faithful to what God asks you to do. You will be fruitful. You might not have ever known real love, but if you live a life led by the Spirit, He will give you love that you have never known and cannot fathom at this given point. You might be in such inner turmoil because of things that have happened to you that there is just no joy within you whatsoever. But I promise you, because God's Word says so, that if you live a life led by the Spirit, you will have joy unspeakable. You might feel like your life is upside down. Anybody just been through it? 2018 kicked me up and down. 2016 about flipped my life upside down. 2017 was just kind of blah. It was there. I've been through it. There's been moments where uh, I just felt like, you know, what's the, what's the point of all this anymore? But because of my relationship with Jesus and living a life led by the Holy Spirit, through the ups, through the downs, regardless of how bad it is, I have had peace. And I promise you, whatever you've been through, you can have that same peace. You can have the same kindness exuding out from you. You are not barren. 
There is a promise. God bought your life at a price, and he will be faithful unto you if you are faithful unto him. At this time, we're going to sing a song, but can I pray for you before we do so? Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you that your word does not return void. God, I pray for every person here this morning within the sound of my voice. Lord, some people might be experiencing loss. They might be experiencing grief. They might feel like within them there is no hope. There is no ability to ever have love. How can they experience joy? How can they have peace in their life? Lord, I know because your word says so that you have come to give them freedom. Lord, I pray that you fill them to this morning with your love. I pray that you fill them with your joy. You fill them with your peace. You help them to be patient. You help them to be kind. Lord God, I know that you can do it. And so this morning, God, for all people who are seeking and who need your, your work in their lives, I pray you minister to them. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
So I pray this morning that as you leave, you leave with God's love and his joy and his peace. And I pray that you just reflect that to the world this week, to our city. We can reach the city. We can be a bright light. I believe it. I believe in you. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday.